Welcome back to React Native Radio Podcast. Brought to you by the hit TV show, The Last of Us, from HBO, Episode 3. I'm not crying, you're crying. Episode 258, Robots Coding React Native. So I've been signing up for some different social networks and different alternatives just to kind of like diverge from not diverge what's the word diversify diversify thank you from from twitter uh and i had to write out a bio i could have just copied the one from twitter but i realized when i was doing that i was writing out and i was like host of react native radio and i was like i kind of forget that this goes out to people sometimes like sometimes it just feels like we're just here we have an audience talking about (laughs) what we have an audience. I feel like we just talk to ourselves. That's what I think. Yeah, it's, it's like we're just talking on Zoom. Mm-hmm. We're just having fun talking on Zoom. Um, no problem. So we get to listen to it later because Todd really nicely edits it just for us. Just like, for us. Uh, nobody else. Yeah. Yeah, nobody else is listening. And then I realize actually other people are listening. There, there's a few, right? We have a few a, out there. At least at least a thousand every episode. No, it's, it's like 2,500 that are subscribed. No, it, it's 5,000 that are subscribed. Okay. It's like 2,500 that listen. Oh, okay. 2,000 to 2,500 per episode, something like that. Wow. And for the bigger episodes, it's 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 way up there. So that's like the the Chain React Auditorium times like five. <laughs> Thanks, Robin. This is going to be Hi, everybody. a great episode. <laughs> I am super nervous now looking at all 2,000 plus people looking at me. If I'm quiet, people, that's why. I just made Mazen super nervous. <laughs> imagine them all like no don't don't imagine them that way never mind yeah i, I know where you're going with that and that was exactly what my wife told me don't, do that. don't I do like, that no <laughs> i i think there's a uh there's a there's a website that's actually quite good it's, it's actually fairly old i think it's over a decade old uh speaking.io and it starts off and i'm just reading okay this isn't me but it starts off speaking.io because imagine everyone's naked is terrible advice <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts on public speaking by Zach Holman. It's really good, though. If you are interested in getting better at public speaking, go to speaking.io and, and check it out. This is not an ad. It is just something I've used over the years for getting better at my own public speaking. But this isn't public speaking. We're just talking to each other. We're just talking friends. in Zoom. In Zoom. We're just hanging out. Maybe putting it that way, this will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Or you can just imagine, Mazen, that we're talking to 5,000 robots. That's all. Like, they're just robots. That's, That's very appropriate for the today's But aren't they supposed to take topic? over the world? Yeah, these are our future masters. Exactly. Um, you know what? Let's, uh, let's avoid that topic for right now and do intros, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jamin Holmgren, your host and friendly CTO of Infinite Red, for now, until a robot takes my spot. I live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest with my wife and four kids. I play hockey. I, I actually played a doubleheader uh, last weekend and won both of them. Played pretty well, if I do say so. It's always fun. You know, I'm 41 and, and being able to still compete, not at a high level. That's like two games in a row, right? Yeah. Like in the same day? That's pretty good endurance. Yeah, two. It was like literally right in a row. Oh I just gosh. got off the ice. They resurfaced it and I went back on. You must on. have been exhausted. Well, I was a little tired, but the first, it was weird because the first, I know, sorry, Mark, <laughs> that we're talking sports. Uh, the first game, this is one I actually participated in, Mark. You, you have to be okay with it. Mark works for us. He always complains when we talk about sports. 
he's he's a representative for the rest of you that don't like sports um but the thing is like i uh i, I expected the first game to be really bad i was subbing for another team because they only had five skaters like they had nobody on the bench it was just me and five five dudes out there and uh somehow they just kind of skated circles around the other team that had 13 people hmm. uh, like a bunch on the bench um but we won four to one fairly comfortably so and then we played the next one and it was uh it was my normal team and i uh, i actually like uh had a really good ga- game and so did the other goalie so we went to overtime and like penalty shots or shootout as they call it in hockey and uh, it was the ref said he'd never seen anything like it because both me and the other guy, the other goalie stopped 10 shots in a row. Hmm. And then uh, we finally scored and, and I stopped the last one, 11. So so we won it. But that was kind of ridiculous. That's pretty actually. cool. So we're not we're not even going to talk about the World Cup. That's like that's the really big news. It's it is big subject. news. I don't know when this is coming out, though. At that point, it'll be the next World Cup, maybe. Sorry, Todd. I wasn't going to say that. I think See, Mazen, I don't piss I think off Mazen has some hard feelings about how the World Cup ended, so we'll just avoid the topic altogether. Yeah, it's okay. You know, our audience probably does too, a lot of them. We have a fairly international audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, every country except Argentina probably has hard feelings. So Spoilers. <laughs> it means by the time this comes out about in January. the sports January. event that already happened. <laughs> that was so last year, Jamin. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody, I guess. <laughs> Getting back to my bio, I am joined also by my supreme co-hosts, Robin and Mazen. Supreme, See, supreme is a very good one. Supreme. Until the robots it, take over. It also makes me hungry. Supreme. Like, supreme pizza. I don't know. It does. It's, it's a very food-related food adjective. Like, cookie supreme. It is. Like, Isn't it? Doesn't that bring... I don't know. Maybe I... You add supreme to something and brand? it's, like, top tier. Hmm? I feel like Supreme is also a clothing brand, no? It's got to be. All of these are, probably. We're not original. It's fine. Original. I can use that one next time. Anyway, Robin and Mazen are here. Robin Heinz is a senior software engineer at Infinite Red. She's located west of Portland, Oregon, where their husband and two kids, who are, for the moment, actually healthy, I think. Uh, at this moment, I think they are healthy. They... Tomorrow's a new day. We'll see. <laughs> I hear you're sequestering everybody. Uh, trying, trying not to. We are trying to. They're actually at daycare right now because I have oh, to great. be doing this. So. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, she has specialized in React Native and taking care of sick kids for the past five years. Uh, Mazen Chami lives in Durham, North Carolina with his wife and baby boy. He's a former pro soccer player and coach and is a senior React Native engineer also here at Infinite Red. Does it bother you to say when I say soccer instead of football, Mazen? It's okay. I'll... I'll get over it. You'll get over it. Yeah. Wait, well, how do you think of it, though? You're you're pretty Americanized at this point. Yeah, I, I say soccer at this point. And when I say it in the back of my head, I'm like, mm, why'd you do that? <laughs> but, yeah. But saying football just resu- results in way too much uh, confusion. Yeah, it's like then I have to be like, football, wait, not the American one. And yeah. then it's like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And no. It's just a, you're just it's you're bowing to convenience there yeah. this episode is sponsored by chain react 2023 chain react is the react native conference in the u.s uh so you definitely need to come and join us go buy a ticket chainreactconf.com uh you're gonna see me robin mazen we're all gonna be there we might even do something cool there with react native radio hopefully all right let's get into our topic for today uh we're, we're gonna be talking about ai and its role in react native development probably a little more focused on AI in general, AI coding in general, I guess. 
less so about the react native side of it but we're gonna try um i think it's gonna be a little more general just because it's gonna impact so many parts and pieces of what we do and most of our audience doesn't just do react native they do other types of coding as well so i i think i saw like when github copilot came out and i started using it i proclaimed to my team you two can confirm this it was like a year ago that it was the biggest innovation in coding that i could ever remember like it was you know i've been doing this since i was 12 and nothing nothing that i tried nothing i've done yeah i don't care if you're talking Static analysis, you know, TypeScript, Prettier, various editors, different programming languages. Nothing is as big of an innovation, in my opinion, as GitHub Copilot. It just blew my mind completely. And uh, it's been that way. It's continually doing that still to this day. I can confirm that you did say that. And you pretty much haven't stopped saying it for the last yeah, year. Yeah, you're, you're all getting pretty annoyed. Of course, then you tried it and then you're like, okay, this is pretty amazing. That's it true. Is. Even from day one, usually at the beginning, you're like, oh, some kinks here and there. I, I feel like didn't really run into that at the beginning. There was some, you know, some aspects of where the code that came out maybe didn't fit exactly what you were talking about, but it was still yeah. pretty good. Like it got you there. I remember at one point I had to do a PR in native. This was, you know, Mercari. Robin, I think you were on leave at this point. I had to dive into native. And then, you know, after I read the code and came back, it was almost like it was watching my eyes like what I was doing and then when I came back and I put my comment in mm -hmm. and they started tabbing it was like knew exactly yeah. what I was trying to get to sometimes I swear it's a mind it's a mind reader and yeah. and then I'm like I realize it's not actually a mind reader I'm just not really having any original thoughts <laughs> you're, you're too predictable <laughs> <laughs> exactly that it's kind of it, it's a little jarring to realize just how predictable we are as as humans mm -hmm. like you can kind of see where, where things are going. I guess it's a it's a useful trait in some ways, being predictable as a human. I guess it's if you're trying to use AI tools like this and they really never seem like they read your mind, you can be comforted that you probably have very original thoughts and that your your brain works very differently than everyone else's. So congratulations. That is the nicest way to say that I've ever heard. <laughs> that I like that. Or you could just suck at prompting, being a prompt engineer. That's the other piece of this. See, Jamin just goes for the you suck angle. <laughs> is that a new role? Prompt engineer? <laughs> prompt oh, it totally engineer. is. There you go. Professional AI prompter. I'm unironically mm -hmm. saying it is. That's going to be a thing. Recruiters knocking on the door. I'm not even yeah. kidding. Prompt engineering is a thing. I'm, I'm putting a stake in the ground right now. You're one of the first experts at it, I think. You're, you're one of the best. I, I wouldn't call myself an expert. but Co-pilot prompters, I know. I like, I like it. Um, tab driven development, right? Like you're just, uh, you're creating prompts and then you're hitting tab. The new TDD. Exactly. So I guess if you're a space driven, if you like spaces over tabs, you're kind of out of luck with AI. <laughs> well, you hit tab to autocomplete, right? <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I so thought it was I, funny. <laughs> Thank you. Even Robin. if Jamin didn't. <laughs> Did I just. Jamin I, was I like, you can still when tab. You're being funny. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so copilot in my observation is very good at javascript and typescript it's pretty good at react native like it knows yeah. certain things it knows quite a bit mm -hmm. um it knows kotlin swift groovy ruby these are all languages we use internally uh with react native projects uh objective c java knows uh ruby particularly well because there's so much ruby on github mm. but um so if you ever have to write Ruby, like you shouldn't be writing it like Copilot. Why is there like more Ruby than other things on GitHub? Because 
because it, 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 my my opinion is it's because GitHub was written in Ruby, mm-hmm. so their circles knew about it early mm-hmm. and started using it. I mean, I was I was doing Ruby, so were you, Robin? And like it was it was just like an early mm-hmm. like oh GitHub's written in Ruby, it's written in Rails. When did so GitHub use it. first come out? I don't know that why I, don't I thought it had been around forever. Ask uh, <laughs> Chat GPT. <laughs> I'm going to. Oh really? Uh, prompt engineering in action. So does this mean we don't need Google? April anymore? 2008. Google got it Google faster than ChatGPT Chat did. But I want to see. Chad, did who did ChatGPT? Who did Google? That's what I, I did. I, I did Google. Oh, I did ChatGPT. GitHub is a web-based platform for version control and collaboration that uses Git, a version control system. It was launched in 2008 by Tom Preston Werner, Chris Wanstrath, and PJ Hyatt. Uh, since its launch, GitHub has become a popular platform for developers to host and review code, blah, blah, blah. So uh, the problem is, so this, and this is something that people that are a little AI skeptical um, will say, and and I don't blame them. Uh, they'll say that, that, Chat GPT and other kind of chat-based AIs will give you stuff that sounds very plausible, but you don't know for sure that it's accurate. Um, like it could be kind of like mixing certain things up. It's sort of like a very confident human who hears snippets of information and kind of mixes them together and tries to give you an answer. And in this case, I got the year right. Um, and I assume the other stuff might be right, but I wouldn't actually trust that. Like if I was giving a talk, I wouldn't just trust chat GPT and put that right in. I would go Google it and see what's going on, you know, just because. I mean, ChatGPT is, I mean, it's, its strength is language, language generation, not necessarily yeah, fact. Facts. Fact yeah. yeah. But that doesn't make it non-useful. In fact, I would say that the reason that Google is more reliable at this point in terms of facts is because there are more humans looking at it who are interested in making sure that the there are facts. So like Wikipedia, for example, if you go to the GitHub page, it's been looked at by thousands, maybe millions of people. And if there's a wrong fact on there, there's going to be kind of someone like, hey, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Where ChatGPT hasn't been vetted yet. Whereas if mm-hmm. ChatGPT, there was a way to just mark it as like, hey, this is wrong. And you've done that for how long has Wikipedia been around? 20 years. Yeah. If you've done that for 20 years, it would probably be pretty accurate. Yeah. Like you'd probably get to that level. So it's just newer and like Google probably wasn't as reliable back in the day, you know, like when it was first starting. So it's kind of like, I feel like it's in that same range. I don't think it's actually inherent to AI that it would be so unreliable. It's kind of like um, Siri and Alexa. I feel like when they first came out, they were horrible. Uh, You pretty much had to give them the answer for them to give it back to you at the beginning. (laughs) I remember Siri, especially Siri is still not that great, to be honest. We just switched back to Google Home. Which which is also very interesting because th- th- wasn't it marketed as like the first AI, like personal assistant type of thing? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. that was the first ever AI, like our, as a, I guess a race, our first, one of our first, because you had like IBM Watson and all that. One of our first. Cons- consumer focused. Yeah. Consumer for- focused, individualized AI assistant. And can't say she, because it also came out in a male voice that mm-hmm. when I heard someone playing it recently i was kind of confused i'd like double take their phone to see what phone they were using <laughs> but yeah i also have my siri on british side note um <laughs> oh, okay. she sounds yeah. a little more sophisticated mm-hmm. yeah I yeah the word. probably says football <laughs> probably but then has to explain it <laughs> i should ask her <laughs> um but no it's like 
you mentioned like Google has that like attentiveness to it. You'd expect Siri and all of them to kind of also have that same att attentiveness to it. She, she does a decent job every now and then, but mainly it's more of like asking her to do tasks for you, like set a reminder, um, start a timer, stuff along that, that realm. Uh, and I also yeah. have a Google Home. And Google Home is better at asking it questions. Correct. Like yes. I can ask like, hey, who won the World Cup in like 1994 or whatever? And like it's <laughs> a lot better at finding answers like that because it's running off of yeah. the Google search engine. Do you know who hosted the World Cup in 94? Nope. United States of America, where it was really? college soccer. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it full circle. Uh, so getting back to... I think, you know, Copilot, OpenAI, um, ChatGPT, these are kind of the main ones. There are some new ones, I'm sure, coming. Google's working on something. I've heard rumors that Apple's coming out with something in January. So maybe by the time that people are listening to this, they've heard about it. And so, you know, potentially there's some some new neural network powered like AIs uh, coming coming online. Um, but the ones that have been the most, I, I think actually GitHub Copilot might be powered by OpenAI. Um, so essentially it's the same one, uh, but you're getting, you're getting code and, uh, you do have to give it prompts. So when you're coding, you have to give it prompts. You have to tell it what's going on. And I did write a, an article getting the most from GitHub Copilot. And if you go check that out, we'll put the link in the show notes. The, the kind of the, the premise is that you do need to write leading comments. Mm -hmm. So like if you want a function that calculates the distance between two points, like, you know, the Pythagorean theorem, you have to write a comment that says function that returns distance between two points. Or maybe if you wanted uh, lat long coordinates, then you'd have to say function that returns distance in kilometers between two lat long coordinates or something. You can also just type the function name and, and that will prompt it as well. So those, those are things as well, but you, it's good to sort of like give copilot structure to give it context. And I've found that the, the more context you give it, the better it gets. So like I was in uh, the Mavic state tree code base and doing some rewrites of some pieces of it. It was super helpful because it had all the context of the, the old way of doing things. Like it could refactor really well because mm -hmm. it knew how I was doing things the old way, but I could prompt it to do things a new way. And so that, that's kind of, I think, the premise is that you do need to think about giving it context. I think a good example is something that happened recently in our Slack. Mark asked a question about doing something timer related. And as we know, timers in React Native can, can be a finicky subject. And there's this long thread. I'm just kind of cut it down. Josh Yeos came in and he asked GitHub Copilot. And what he pretty much did, and if you look at the sample code, there's this big block at the top where he's pretty much taking Mark's entire description and like th thread leading up to there of what he wants it to do, you know, making sure we are cleaning, you know, unsubscribing to our timers in case of mounting and unmount and all that kind of stuff. So it's a huge block. And then I assume all he did was tap through it and then kind of popped out the, the answer. Mark said that was, that was pretty much what he was looking for. So I'm assuming it was spot on. My experience after doing that sometimes, you still need context outside of that and then within that you know outside context as a developer you're gonna have to come in and make a couple tweaks and changes to get it exactly to work for what you're doing because not every single app because github copilot right didn't write the entire app from beginning to end so there's some context that's probably missing at this point in time maybe in the future it does analyze your app or within the code base you're in and give you props along, you know, the expected props name that you have in a different file that you know you're going to use it in. 
and then kind of assign it that way. So it's not like mixing and matching names. So Copilot only knows about what it has written for you. Like if you if you had an existing app and then you turn Copilot on in your editor, does it analyze the entire code base? Yeah, as far as I can tell, it was analyzing the whole because at least in Mobic State Tree, it was it was pulling in like in new logic that it shouldn't have known mm -hmm. in the file that I was writing. Hmm. And I don't know if if that's not the case, then it was being scary good uh, yeah. without context. But it seemed like it knew so much. This is one of the downsides to AI is that you don't have a lot of insight into how or like how, how it's working and things like that. This is a good time to to mention that my business partner, Gantt Laborde, wrote a book about machine learning and AI. It was published through O'Reilly and it's called Learning TensorFlow JS, Powerful Machine Learning in JavaScript. So if you're a JavaScript developer, you can write machine learning code and uh, you can go to infinite.red slash learn dash tensorflow js and uh it's it's a really great book yeah like I've, I've been going through it you know off and on uh since he published it and it's super accessible super easy to read and what's really cool about that is you do learn more about how it's working under the hood but coming back to my point like you don't always know where the models like got their got their information you know how did they learn what what were they how were they trained what sort of biases you just you don't know i mean the scale is yeah. absolutely massive and almost incomprehensible for a human which is why yeah. machines are doing it <laughs> so there are some other alternatives out there we've talked about github copilot we've talked about chat gpt which is a different user interface it's kind of cool that there's different things there's one called tab nine um we we actually identified that this was something we needed to get better at as a team like really we need to know what tools are out there so we have a whole slack channel dedicated to ai coding tools now and we post them in there and try to get each other access to them and post our ideas and our our experience uh in that channel in addition to our ai art made with stable diffusion which is a whole right. other that's realm a whole of other AI. section <laughs> yeah the, uh in fact uh i would say todd my other business partner is one of the better people out there in in creating visual art using ai tools uh stable diffusion and he has some other stuff that he uses as well uh but he he, he makes some incredible stuff yeah. and he wouldn't i don't think he would have necessarily considered himself an artist in the strict sense of the word before this but he certainly is now like he's like the stuff that he's creating has not it's not like it's coming out of his brain. It's it's like he'll he'll envision something and then he'll create it using these AI tools. It just makes it more accessible to everybody, which is which is awesome. You can tell that we're pretty all in <laughs> on AI here at Infinite Red. Todd's new title, prompt artist. Mm -hmm. Prompt artist. Yeah, Jamin is a prompt engineer and Todd is a prompt artist. I think there's some overlap there. Actually, there is. There, there's some overlap, but mm -hmm. Todd is definitely more artistic than I am. Uh, all you have to do is look at his Minecraft uh, buildings versus mine, and uh, that'll tell you the whole story. Mine are very functional. I'll mm -hmm. just leave it at that. <laughs> I'd like to ask both of you about... <laughs> this is kind of funny for me to be asking people who work for me this question, but I'm going to because I think that you have some good insights here. Will AI coding tools take our jobs? I mean, that's the that's the question that comes up first, almost always, when you talk about these tools. Uh, I mean, that's that's people's biggest fear, right? Is that like the robots are coming, they're going to do all the jobs and everybody's going to be hungry and homeless and it's going to be awful. I I don't think that's an imminent threat, if a threat at all. I mean, we'll we'll have to ask, keep asking the question all the time. The answer may be different in 10 years, but right now 
I don't see AI coding tools taking jobs by any means. If anything, they're just helping us all be more efficient at the jobs that we have. I totally agree with Robin. And there's that element of like human touch that we have that I think they're going to always miss unless as a as a race we're okay with that robotic when I say robotic like metal whenever I say robot I expect <laughs> like something steel in front of me kind of thing kind of like the the Jetsons their nanny <laughs> but yeah I, I don't see that happening I think maybe in I think everyone's like a lot of people are working hard on making this a reality um, I think people have been for a very long time I think we can even like look at SpaceX like having it all be computerized to go up to to Mars and actually landing on its own on a moving ship all done by computers kind of thing so if we all put our heads together it's potentially possible but I think the element of human touch will always be missing from that and I think we will still want that yeah I agree with both of you uh, I want to actually first scare people a little bit but then bring it back and unscare them <laughs> So first off, there's a question about, can it, you know, can it, can it even do that? Is it possible? Um, you know, what would full AI coding look like? And I even tweeted about it recently where I said uh, how I envision AI coding look like more or less you. And this is, by the way, is a limited view. This is not a like 10 years down the road view. This is like two years down the road, maybe three. You go to GitHub, you click new P Copilot PR, you write up the requirements. Mm-hmm whatever it is. And uh, I gave an example, like add a user count to the room title in the rooms page at the end of the room title in parentheses, like room title number, where number is the number of active users in the room Add end to end tests and unit tests for any functions created. That was the prompt that I wrote. And then, um, copilot will create a multi-file PR in the tests run in CI, and you can adjust and refine the requirements and you can add context and you can review that adjusted PR and it's just real time. It's like bang, 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 bang. You're just getting adjustments as you adjust the prompt. You know, it's just quick. And then when it's where you need it to be, you are ready for team review. And then you actually have humans review it. You probably have AI review it too, but at least you have humans review it. And uh, the, the tests help you determine that, you know, is it correct? Is it like actually doing what we're supposed to do? You should look at the tests and make sure that they're testing the right things. Um, just like you would with a human. But like you're just, you know, you may hand adjust some code, but it'd be, it'd be, you know, all in browser. You're not like cloning stuff down things like that. That's how I look at it. Who's writing these prompts, Jamin? Do you envision it to be? It'd be us. It'd be software would it be developers. senior developers or would it be like juniors? Yeah. At some point though, would it be product managers? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think that's a different skill. I mean, maybe like maybe some like more technical. It's like, can a product manager run a dev team? They could. They're maybe a little more technical, but they're going to lack some context that they need. Mm -hmm. So let me go deeper into this a little bit. So these coding tools are going to accelerate because they're going to accelerate our, our, our work. Because like that same PR, instead of typing into a prompt three or four times and then we're ready, you would have been cloning down the repo. You would have been like checking out a branch. You would have been you know, doing a bunch of kind of busy work around it, you'd make, you know, like write the feature, maybe test it in your browser or in your, your uh, simulator. And maybe you have to write some tests. Maybe you forgot to write some tests. Maybe you need to write some, some documentation. That's another thing AI can do is write good documentation. And you're like, a lot of times that, I think the amount of time you would spend there, I'm, I'm anticipating minimum twice as much time, probably 
more on the order of 10 times as much time once you get into a little more complex stuff. Now, you can also do more focused PRs because creating a PR is so much lower friction. So you can like really quickly knock out small PRs. They almost have to be more focused too in order for AI to be most successful. Yeah, I would agree with that. Unless it's like do this repetitive task, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to change uh, class-based components to function-based yeah. components across the whole thing. Then maybe you could have a more wide-ranging one. But, but um, like you, it, it's going to be harder to get AI to to do something like, okay, set up my entire API and then like build four screens and it's going to be a lot harder for AI to, to manage that much at I once. I think our frameworks are going to change too and it's going to bias toward frameworks where stuff like that is easier. Mm-hmm. You know, less less focused on human coding, more on repetitive, simple, not simple, but like repetitive, uh, uh, consistent, predictable code. You know, things like Redux are going to be less boilerplate feeling because hey, you're not writing the boilerplate like, you know, the, the AI is. I wonder how much stuff that we've optimized to to make it easier and more ergonomic for developers to do. What like how much of that just like won't even matter? Let AI put everything in the same file and like do all this stuff that we've stopped doing because it's not ergonomic for developers, but it doesn't matter if an AI is doing it. Minified project? 100%. Like the only ergonomics that matter now are for code review, mm-hmm. not so much. Because otherwise we could have it write like machine code. Right. <laughs> or bytecode, but we need to review it. So it yeah. does, the ergonomics matter for review, but it's going to be focused more on code review rather than writing code, which goes against my instincts as a Ruby developer. I love writing beautiful code. Mm-hmm. So... And when I say as a Ruby developer, it's like you've done Ruby in the past Ruby developer. <laughs> yeah, because I love beautiful code and I actually it's something that I value above other things. Um, but this repeatability and predictability is, I think, going to be more important. So like, OK, we're, we're way faster now. So uh, we get stuff done faster. I would argue that we've needed this disruption. Software is too expensive right now. It's way too expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, would you if you had an app idea like spend the time as a side project building everything the way we do right now like i love coding and i have a hard time spending that amount of time i know it's just going to be so much time so labor intensive to build even the most simple thing just becomes just drudgery sometimes and you're like why am i sitting here struggling with this for hours and hours and hours or if you look in the, the money side friend of mine literally last night a friend of mine messaged me and, and she had a, an app idea very cool one one that i think would work but does she have 500 to eight hundred thousand dollars? exactly no a lot and, of people and don't. i didn't even want to tell her that like it was just de- dumping cold water on her dreams yeah and it was a good idea that in an underserved market in a place that should have an app but it doesn't have an app and it won't have an app as long as it costs five hundred thousand dollars to build one and that's by the way just version one Mm-hmm. So that's the sort of thing where I think looking at it, you're like, clearly we need something different. We can't just continue to have the same old, same old. And by the way, it's getting worse. It's like getting more expensive over time. Yeah. So that to me means they're, they're accelerants and, and it allows us to make apps that aren't, that don't currently exist. And then they make our jobs more human. So, you know, us as developers, the people, I think the people and audience all 5,000 of you (laughs) that are staring at us right now. Here we go. I want you to listen to this. If you've, you know, kind of prided yourself on being amazing at syntax or amazing at like typing speed. You're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a harder time. And I'm one of you. So like 
relax. You know, like we're all in this together. I have definitely do not put myself in that category. I'm not one of the like the ones that I've like figured out every single keyboard shortcut and like gotten myself super fast. So I'm excited for this AI revolution so that I don't have to do all that. <laughs> Just that story of someone coming to you with an app idea. I've had, I've been that person that had that idea. Oh yeah. And I, and I'm up till 3 a.m. And then I look at the time. It's like, oh, it's 3 a.m. I should probably stop. Oh wait, I haven't even finished the yeah. scaffolding part of it. Yeah. yeah. It's too hard. I, yeah. mean, I think most people, most people who build a mobile apps, like all of our fellow React Native developers, when people hear that, they're like, oh, I have this like, or I know somebody who has this like, and like, you always have to have the conversation. They're like, oh, can we hire, like, can Infinite Red build us a thing? And I'm like, I mean, we can talk, but if you're thinking like $5,000, then no, probably not. No, like work. they, they just yeah. don't comprehend the scale of what it takes to pay like engineers to, to build an app for six months. So imagine if you could build an app an app for a hundred thousand dollars and the design is right or fifty thousand dollars um the design is uh, ai assisted as well like you get you get design uh with a designer because i can have all the design tools of the world but you need someone who understands and feel you know understands like the user experience and things like that mm -hmm. um so imagine that is done that way and then you can uh you can feed that those those images into an AI and say, you know, like build this, this UI in, uh, you know, in react native or something like that. I do, I do think that it's going to have a pretty big impact on us, but I don't think we're, our jobs are at, at risk. And though I'm very convinced of that. And it's because our skills of, of logical thinking of being able to translate user requirements into logical flows and things mm -hmm. like that. It, that's, that's a valuable asset. That's something that is, is really big. Like you look at like DevOps was a huge thing like 10 years ago. It's becoming less of a thing because a lot of that's sort of being abstracted into like, you know, platforms as a service like Firebase and stuff like that. So certainly the types of jobs change over time, but the skills are always valuable. Mm -hmm. So I do see that as being, uh, we're just going to be able to do more. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. We're free, freeing up a lot of our brain capacity for the the things that, we're actually skilled at versus taking up a lot of our time and brain space, like doing boilerplate and cloning repos and writing yeah. code that is super repetitive. So question for you both. I'm a bootcamp out there. I do specialize in JavaScript, TypeScript, you know, let's say React. Beginning GitHub, jQuery for all us younger J uh, JavaScript people, all the way to TypeScript to uh, eventually, you know, kind of getting you to re to platforms with React, React Native. Would you keep that setup of your bootcamp lecture, but then add another module, say, at the end where you bring in AI? Or do you think there's a bunch of stuff you can cut out? What I'm trying to get at is, do you still teach the juniors the the logical part, like going down and doing bare HTML, CSS, jQuery, and kind of going in that path? I don't know about jQuery, but... We all have to suffer at some <laughs> point, right? So I have, uh, I have a, I have a story. Mm -hmm. My dad owned an excavation company and, uh, when I, it, when I was in high school and middle school and stuff. And so in the summers I would work for him, dangerous work, working around heavy machinery, operating heavy machinery, things like that. In a lot of ways, I see an analogy between like an excavator and AI, because if you dig a, a like a ditch by hand, it takes you ages. And by the way, it's not as good. It's not as like square, you mm -hmm. know, like a nice square 
ditch. But the first thing my dad did was like, you're going to learn to use a hand shovel properly. I'm not going to have my son out there on the job site flailing around with a shovel. (laughs) You're going to know how to run a shovel properly. So yes, he could have sat me on the excavator, the backhoe, the dozer, anything like that. The very first thing he did was showed me how to use a hand shovel. Because, you know, sometimes you had to like dig around the edges and you certainly had to know what, you know, good things look like when you were trying to like do a septic system or something like that. You needed to know what the end result needed to look like. So to me, it's the same thing. You do need to know some of the like hand coding, like concepts and things like that. You need to know how code works. You need to be able to review it and understand how it works. And writing it is a great way to, to learn that. But I think that coding boot camps that don't use AI assistance are like teachers that said, you're not going to be walking around with a calculator in your pocket back when I was a kid, which we do now. <laughs> we have calculators in our pockets. And so the boot camps need to integrate these things and teach their students to be prompt engineers. They need to be good at this, but they also need to know how the code works. There's also the, I see it all the time at boot camps where one of the first, you know, modules is like, a whole week of going through the logic of the Tower of Hanoi and then how to change mm-hmm. that to code. That's a that one a lot of people trip up on and that module usually can weed out a lot of people but then there's one bootcamp where if you kind of don't do well on it you can still work on it throughout the year and you see people get better at it because they then start understanding logic and all that. But now as a junior developer who has listened to this podcast will just install a GitHub Copilot extension and Tower of Hanoi is done for them. Mm-hmm. What are they gaining from it for the future? Yeah, I, I think that the usefulness of those, those have been probably overblown anyway, to start with. It wasn't really about being able to execute on certain algorithms or, th- you know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, with that said, I've, I've always like, when I learn a new language, I often will write uh, like a, like a, a Dijkstra's or, or a star pathfinding algorithm, just because it's, kind of fun and and i can learn the language i might still do that mm-hmm. with a new language using copilot to show me how to build that algorithm in the other language but i'll tell you what like like if you learn the the concepts of languages like i have over the many years i've done it uh, you will you will be in a position where you can look at other languages and kind of once you understand the basics of the syntax you can kind of understand if the logic is right or not they look similar that's based on your 20 years of building stuff from scratch without AI coding tools. So I'm curious, like, we really just don't know what impact it's going to have on people learning how to code. And we probably won't for a few years, at least until we start seeing juniors entering the market who have been using Copilot from the day they first started. I think it'll get worse before it gets better, for sure. There will be, you'll see like worse code being deployed. Yeah. And the very skeptical people will be like, ah, this AI is ruining coding, you know, but We'll figure it out. I no doubt. Like there, the, these issues are not people. It's tend to see these issues and think that they're like static mm-hmm. and they'll never be fixed. We can adapt. It's like no, they're they're gonna be. A, yeah, we're gonna look at that. We're gonna say this isn't right. We're gonna fix. Coding it. has adapted to all sorts of things, like yeah. IDEs, like linters, tests. Oh yeah, unit tests, compilers. I mean, like there was a time when you weren't supposed to write, com- like you weren't supposed to compile your code. You were supposed to hand write mm-hmm. everything. And uh, these compilers were going to dumb down the code because you just write this kind of like dumb down high level code like C and then it would create machine uh, machine code that wasn't as good as the humans. Mm -hmm. That was a thing back in the day. Like this has been over and over and over the same thing. AI is not going anywhere. We're going to have to 
adapt and the, what, what it means to be a developer is just going to look different in yeah. the next few years. My son is 17, almost 18, and he's starting his coding journey. He just got hired uh, by a company. And so he's sort of in that in-between stage. I told him he's kind of one of the last of the old, the old programmers. You mean at 17, he's old? He is. <laughs> it's the ones who are 12 right now that are going to be coming in when it's a very different story. I do want to talk about, I know we're getting long here, but I want to talk about the ethics of AI coding. So every time a new technology comes out, there's a public discussion to be had about it. There are issues. There are things where it's like, hey, we don't want this. This is a problem. How we should use it, how we shouldn't use it. One of the big ones is licensing. It's like, hey, AI coding tools are just stealing my work. Yeah. Just blatantly stealing it. And then uh, they're charging 10 bucks a month for it. This isn't right. So I have my own thoughts about this, but uh, but I am curious about yours. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I honestly have no idea what the legal complexities are. But I would say if you don't want people using your code, why is it open source? <laughs> Like people, if your code is open source and it's a, a a library or a package that people are using, they're already using it for their own profit many times over. So, I mean, I'm not sure how this is super different. Like there, if you have an MIT license on your code, people can take it and use it and modify it for whatever gain. Yeah. So don't open source your stuff if you don't want people using it. I, I agree with, with, with that, Robin. I, I think I've heard and I've actually gone through this with one of our recent clients their vpn does not let you use copilot i remember like going through and just having this huge discussion about hey can we you know open up this url so i could just authenticate github copilot so i could use mm -hmm. it and there's this whole back and forth where eventually i was like all right fine i won't i don't need github copilot big big companies legal departments i think are very nervous about this because they correct they don't yeah. there's not a lot that's been defined there's not a lot of precedent it's a very sort of murky legal area, so that makes them nervous, and they tend to want to just say no. And when you enter, like, credit card information, so you have the PCI compliance, and then you have the medical, the HIPAA compliance, like, all that then just makes it super complicated, where some companies, like, you know, this one was just Even like, though Copilot not is not uploading anything that you write, it's only if you've published it publicly to GitHub, so... It, it's still so new that I think no one wants to believe that just yet. Yeah, exactly. It, um, it hasn't been scrutinized. Change. It has not held up under any sort of legal challenge. Exactly. And it might soon, I assume, you know, it, it took... I'm, I'm guessing there's probably lawsuits already in the works. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it took cryptocurrency, like, what, four or five years before, like, the legal aspect started coming out of it? So mm -hmm. very soon. I think it'll be faster for yeah. AI just because there's actually a use for AI. Um, <laughs> I wonder if there is anything right now. Why are you laughing, Robin? That just slid that major burn in <laughs> to Some cryptocurrency. Some disgustedly unfollowed this. <laughs> I'm sorry, crypto people. Why kick you when you're down? Um, mm -hmm. So we need to wrap up here. I did want to say Gantt uh, Laborde had, had a point that if you can't use open code, like open source code, to train your models, then only big companies with vast amounts of code will have, you know, benefit from that. So basically, you're just saying we only want Google to have good AI. Open AI wouldn't happen because it doesn't, wouldn't have access. Only GitHub is going to have a good AI. Just real quick, we're talking about the legality. As of November 18th, 2022, a class action lawsuit has been filed in the United States federal court challenging the legality of GitHub Copilot and other related open AI codecs. 
the suit mm -hmm. against GitHub, Microsoft, and OpenAI claims violation of open source licenses and could have a wide impact in the world of artificial intelligence. So it's coming. I, man, I could just rant. Oh, we'll have to. I, it'll be interesting to see what that what comes out of that. Yeah, it will be interesting. But this is purely like a legal pushback against something that's coming anyway. Exactly. Like it, and if you ban it in the U.S., you're just saying, okay, we want other countries to get good at this because mm -hmm. it's coming no matter what. Like it, it's ridiculous uh, that that this this is how people react to it. Maybe it's just a money making scheme. That's probably what it is. The website's GitHub Copilot Litigation dot com, and it's mm -hmm. basically they're saying AI and GitHub Copilot relies on unprecedented open source software piracy. There I mean, there's similar legal challenges and discussions around like stable diffusion and a lot mm -hmm. of the other AI tools yeah. claiming theft of intellectual property and copyright and. I just don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, yeah. Like it's it's out. I'm super. I'm just super curious to watch it all unfold. Yeah. See how the world yeah. changes. There's definitely there's definitely going to be a battle happening, but it's you know it's lawsuits against cars uh, by horse people or something along those lines. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, do you have advice for developers who are worried about AI? Use it. Use it. I would say use it. Get to know it. See what it does. Understand it. The enemy you know is better than the enemy that you don't, or whatever the saying is. Keep your enemies close. Keep your enemies your... close, something like that. Yeah. Friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're skeptical about Copilot, but you haven't really used it very much, go use it. Like, just yeah. see what it can do. You may Drink be impressed. And at, like, worst case, you'll you'll actually have more evidence to back up your claims about why it sucks, so. And I would say also focus on the human aspects of the job. Um, so the things that are uniquely human, the things that we want to like, if, if there was, for example, let's say that there was an AI that generated 300 super, super compelling TV shows. I'm less interested if a human's not avail like involved. Like if you could just click a button and like regenerate, it's just not as interesting to me. I, I, I want a human involved in some, some way. So focus on the human aspects of the job, the relationships, um, things like that. I think that's the part where it really keeps you secure. We have more to, to say about this, but we're way over time here. So sorry to the editors who have to deal with this extremely long episode. Uh, so I'll wrap it up really quickly. Uh, you can find us online. Robin is at Robin underscore Heinz. Mazen is at Mazen Chami. I'm at Jamin Holmgren on Twitter, uh, as well as other places. You can go to React Native Radio react native rdio as always thanks to our producer and editor todd worth our assistant editor and episode release coordinator and new dad uh he is already a dad but he's a new dad again jed bartoski congratulations jed our designer justin husky and our guest coordinator Derek greenberg thanks to our sponsor chain react check it out chainreactconf.com thank you to all five thousand of you staring at us with your beautiful eyeballs right now as we wrap up this episode robin do you have a quick mom joke Let's see what chat GPT has, has for a mom joke. A robot already joke. taking your job. Already taking my job. What? Why was the computer cold? Why? Because it left its windows open. Oh, man. Uh. See, that is, <laughs> that's even pretty decent. That's a good one. <laughs> all right. We'll see you all next time. Bye.